I remembered something I'd once read. That a representative owes the people not only his industry, but his judgment. And he betrays them if he sacrifices it to their opinion. That was written by Edmund Burke, a member of the British Parliament. The Constitution is not some list of the limited rights that the people have, because in our system, the government is limited, and the people's rights are limitless. All we say to America is be true to what you said on paper. But somewhere I read of the freedom of assembly. Somewhere I read of the freedom of speech. Somewhere I read of the freedom of press. Somewhere I read that the greatness of America is the right to protest far right. Give me liberty! Oh, give me dead! We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That this nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom. And that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Proudly welcoming you on this Friday, January 5th, 2018 to Season 3 of FritzCast. And how are you guys all doing? I hope that you had a joyous holiday uh, month, whatever it is. Like, it lasts forever when it comes. And by the time it's gone, you're like, wait, it's over? Really? It didn't it just begin? Didn't we just put up the Christmas lights and now i got to take them down? Because they're still up. They're still up on the roof. And I'm not taking them down. I'm not taking them down today because, of course, uh, us East Coastern, uh, East Coasterners, we uh, we just got hit with uh, the the tremendous, epically huge snowfall, and it's crazy. I believe it was called a a bomb cyclone. It's not as explosive as it sounds. It's not as deadly as it sounds. I mean, like, if you imagine you're listening to the news and the weatherman just casually mentions bomb cyclone like it's a normal thing, like they know all about it. Um, I mean, they do know all about it. They're meteorologists, right? They study weather and all that. So it can't be something new to them. Uh, it's not like it's something that's never happened before. But when they're sitting there and talking about this, uh, this nor'easter is coming up the clo- uh, coming up the coast and it's going to uh, create... A, a, a rarity called a bomb cyclone, and you're just like, what? Wait, wait, bomb where? What? What's what's happening? What's going on? This is crazy. So we had that. We we had that come up the coastline here in Delaware. We got maybe five inches of snow in the northern sector. Southern sector might have gotten it worse. I'm not entirely sure. New Jersey got hit bad because uh, they're right there hugging the uh, coastline and all that, and. 
Pennsylvania, parts of Pennsylvania got hit hard and parts didn't. It's just it's how storms work. And uh, as always, in my complaining about government efficiency over things, I worked a a 16-hour shift yesterday, and I had to drive in this snowstorm to work because I am essential personnel. I could have given up my overtime. I really, you know, I could have. But uh, I had to drive in this stuff at 7 o'clock in the morning, and Del Dot, Delaware Dot, um, Department of Transportation, Dot, Duh, they, it seeming, it seemed like they did nothing to the roads. Like, I'm not sure if they brined or salted or if it was just so damn cold as of late that it wasn't effective. But, my God, getting to work, it was cruising in at like 30 miles an hour. I don't think I went above 40 miles an hour even on the interstate because it wasn't plowed. It was, it was a little ridiculous. Just a little ridiculous. And... <laughs> Del Dot just so happened to have tweeted out a picture of where all their plows were working. Like, they had a plow tracker. And the map of Delaware was just full of plows. And I was like, I tweeted them and I said, yeah, the uh, the roadways themselves tell a different story. So, it is what it is. I got to work fine. I got out of work fine. I got home fine. So, what's the big deal, right? Yeah, it's just the fact that you would think they'd be a little more efficient at that. Not so much. That's why Delaware closed all its offices but didn't declare a state of emergency for reasons that I would love to go into and tell you, but I would sound like a disgruntled employee, and I chose my employment profession, so I'm going to suck it up like a man and not focus on that. New Year's was good, too, and in fact, I'm, I'm as I record right now, I am sipping some New Year's Eve leftovers, some cold duck, sparkling red wine. My, fa- it's a childhood favorite. You know how you like your parents when you were kids. They gave like maybe some exceptions for um for for alcohol for alcohol based stuff. Uh, some people did, some people didn't. Uh, my mom used to buy cold duck and let us chitlins have a glass of it at New Year's Eve for the ball drop. Sometimes it was non-alcoholic, sometimes it was alcoholic, and then she wasn't able to find it. And that ended, it got replaced with sparkling cider because we were good Mormon people. And uh, just this year, my wife got into making mulled wine for, uh, that's M-U-L-L-E-D, not M-O-L-D, you bastards. Mulled wine uh, for Christmas, which is uh, wine that's warmed up and spiced up and is really good. It's It's a delicious drink and it will knock you out. If you drink it, you will go right to sleep. No lie. So my wife got into that. So I had to run in and buy more mulled wine. We made it twice so far this year. Well, last year. And <laughs> sorry. The uh the little buddy from last week, the little puppy. I don't know if you can hear him. He's he's here with me. I don't want him to be alone while I record the podcast, but he's about to get thrown out there with the other dogs to play because he's getting, as you can hear, he's he's getting restless. You want to you talk to people? You want to talk to people? What do you want to tell them? You want to tell them anything? You want to bark for them? Speak? Speak. Come on. You can speak. Oh, well, he's licking. All right. So, yeah, I had to run in and buy red wine for this mulled wine stuff, and while I was in the store, I just it hit me because it's the time of year. It's It's about to be New Year's. Or it was about to be New Year's. 
So I said, uh, odd, cr- random, crazy question. You guys have cold duck? And the guy was like, oh, yeah. And it's like four ninety nine a bottle. It's cheap. <laughs> it is a cheap man's wine. And it's like, surprisingly, at that, it's like 9% alcohol volume. You would think it would cost more than that. I don't, I don't know why it's so cheap, but I'm enjoying a glass right now as we speak. One, one red wine glass a day is good for you, according to studies that were handpicked by me. So there. So that was that was like my past week in a, in a nutshell. Mold wine, brand new furniture, finally rearranged the living room, and it is. Very nice. It's decent. It's open up. It feels like a living room. It's great. We're loving that. I'm loving this uh, sparkling red wine. Really am. It's just is this? It's not a cheap plug for them. It's. I'm telling you, I like it. It's good. So I started with my uh, my brand new opening. Uh, which well, it's not my brand new opening. I switch out quotes and I play it periodically for the show, but it's because it's season three. It's I am hitting three years of doing this podcasting thing, one episode a week for three years, ranging from thirty minutes to an hour long. That's a lot of talking about stuff. It really is. It makes me wonder how these guys like Glenn Beck and all them people how they do three hour shows, and then I forget that. If you take out all the advertising, it's really only like an hour and a half. Okay, whatever. It's a lot of talking, though. I'm I'm impressed that I've been able to get behind the microphone every week and come up with something to talk about and be able to raffle on for, you know, up to an hour at times about what's going on in the world. Um, and I think it's important for people to do it. When When people hear that I have a podcast, when... People at work, they figure out I have a podcast. They're like, oh, what do you what do you talk about? And because I'm a nerd, they think it's video games, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek for some reason. Star Trek is not that cool uh, for you Trekkies out there. You are under the false doctrine, and maybe one day you will see the light. Maybe you won't. I don't know. Go to hell. But they think it's that, and then some people know I'm a metalhead, so they think it's about music. And it's not. I tell them, you know, I say a lot of it is politics. And they go, oh. And politics, let's face politics is a turnoff subject now in, in 2018 now. It, it, it seems to be a turnoff subject for people because people get so divisive. They get so divided over things. And it's a telling story. 2017 was a really telling story to me because... The divisions seem to ripen a bit even more. And the divisions are dangerous. The divisions are dangerous for us as people of the United States. And people don't tend to realize that. People don't tend to see the bigger picture. They they, they tend to focus on the here and the now. And we all get incredibly selfish. It, it's just a fact of life. We all get a little incredibly selfish because, I mean, at the end of the day, what comes first for you? Is it you, your health, and your family, or is it Joe Blow down the street? Um, nine times out of ten, everybody, at the end of the day, is working for a better them, better their family, and that isn't selfish. That's not misguided. That's actually the way that people should be doing things. You should be looking out for yourself and your family First and foremost, that, that's your that's your prime responsibility. 
Nobody can take care of you for you but yourself. And that starts with you. I found that people don't like talking about politics because people become overly judgmental of people rather than trying to get to the core of why they think certain ways and trying to persuade people to think outside of that box that they're thinking in. Because everybody does. Everybody, you know, what, what, what is that saying that you always hear? The echo chamber of people's lives. You, you, you build up things. You know what you like. You know what you hate. You don't read what you hate. You, you read what you like. It can help formulate a bias. It can help flourish a bias. One of the things that brought me to being a libertarian-ish kind of guy was thinking outside the box. I was... In growing up, especially a, a, a Mormon church boy in a family that had recently converse, converted from Catholicism to Mormonism, those are probably two of the extreme fringes of Christianity in terms of all the other Christian religions and all that. Um, they're the ones that are outside the box, so to speak, in general terms. Having gone from that, like the Catholic upbringing... Didn't really have it. I had a Mormon upbringing, and that's why I focus on, on, on that aspect of it. But I had a Mormon upbringing, and I had a more, you know, Republican-leaning growing up because of family and stuff. And, and as you learn and grow, as a, as a teenager, I just thought, you know, I line up with the Republicans anyway because of X, Y, Z thing. So, in becoming a libertarian-ish kind of guy, I've challenged my own beliefs. What, what what people think libertarians are, what, what a lot of people think libertarians are now, is they think, oh, there are a bunch of these guys that don't like Donald Trump and have defected to the banner of libertarianism because it has the same core set of conservative values, which isn't true. It's, it's not true at all. Uh, the libertarian undertaking is uh, more extreme than just the conservative baseline and you come to find that there's things that conservatives do that you just don't agree with. And part of it came from the Gary Johnson example that was touted over the course of the 2016 election. And he did it at the 2012 election as well, where he touted and talked about you know classic liberalism. The, the, the stance of being more liberal on social issues, more fiscally conservative when it came to financial policy and and uh, uh, foreign intervention in foreign affairs. This was uh, this was an awakening for me the, over the past two years, and especially doing this podcast has helped foster that growth and that journey. You know, I came to the conclusion that here I am talking about, I like the concept of liberty and freedom, I like American ideals, I like the Constitution, I like the Declaration of Independence, I like the message the Founding Fathers gave, and neither major political party are really pushing forward those same ideals. And that, that in all honesty, is the, is the American spirit dying. And, and it, is, it is bad. It is bad. To have the American spirit die. We have gone so far off 
the ideas, the ideals, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We over-legislate. We over-tax. We overcompensate. We can come up with millions and millions and millions and millions of new laws every day. We micromanage too much. We allow bureaucracy to run freely in our own workplaces, in our own towns, in our own cities, in our own governments, day in and day out. We allow accountability to just roll down the hill. Instead of holding people accountable, we say, we can worry about this later, let's do something now. And a lot of times that focus, that laser vision on, let's do something now, let's get something done now, who cares about the cost, who cares about anything else, let's get it done now. That can be a toxic behavior. That can be a toxic relationship. And if these things go unchecked and unbalanced, you know, eventually the system does crumble. Eventually it does fall apart. It's the same way if you try to prop up an, an economy or if you try to stave off a market fall. We, we know the market fluctuates up and down. The economy fluctuates up and down. And... If you're going on a downslope, if you're going for a crash, and you try to prop it up and you push it off, the only thing you're doing is making the crash worse because the crash is inevitable. The crash will happen. Times might get tough. Times might get tight. But the more you push off a crash, the more it increases. These are things that got me into libertarianism. These are things that got me into the government is too big, it's doing too much, it tries to micromanage too much, it tries to make things happen too much. And then also, here's the thing, something has opened my eyes uh, just over the past year, really, the election of Donald Trump, which is a big, huge subject that we could talk about. One of the things that came to my mind, the stunning revelation is that there's a large group of people that think if there's enough people that want something done that it is okay, morally correct, and absolutely right. And I have philosophically come to question that. I have philosophically argued with people over this this whole let's pull the nation and if if 70% of the nation wants this to happen then screw the rest of everybody else 70% of the nation wants it it must be a good thing there's a fallacy there there's a fallacy there that it's really funny given the history of America and how things have gone that people would think that the demands of what appears to be the majority is right. Because, think about this, you're talking about a nation that wrote in a Declaration of Independence a, a, an actually masterful writing piece about the freedom 
that mankind justly has by nature. That document, which said all men are created equal, but at the same time you had men arguing at that very time period and shortly thereafter that the color of one's skin determined whether or not they were a full human being with rights. You had racism back then. It was commonplace. And because of that, we had years and years and years of people trying to justify slavery. One of the movies that I got for Christmas is Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. And one, one scene particularly caught me off guard the other day. I still haven't been able to sit down and watch the movie fully from start to finish. But I know I like the movie. I know I like the movie, but... One, one of the scenes is a debate in the House where the delegate gets up and raffles off about how slaves aren't people. They're not human, and if we decide to end slavery, we're going to have to give them the right to vote. And if we give them the right to vote, what's next? Giving women the right to vote? And I I had to chuckle at it just because I live in a day and age where women have the right to vote. African American, you know, black Americans have the right to vote. And it seems so backwards to me that I can't wrap my brain around it sometimes, but I have the wherewithal to say, you know what, the 1800s, the 1700s, the 1600s, the 1500s, and all the, all the time before now, humanity was very, very different. It took a lot of evolution to get to where we are today. And part of the reason that I started this this podcast and wanting to spread the word of libertarianism and open people up from this uh, two-party duopoly of power in America. Like, one of the reasons I came to, to doing this, because there's a lot that I love in the history of this country. There's a lot that I love in the idea of liberty, of people's right to be individual people. And that, by the way... The individual is more important than the collective. The right of the individual supersedes the demand of the collective. I think it's very important to keep that in mind. Because some of the arguments that you see going on here in America today, people don't have the retrospective look and people also don't pay attention to what's going on in the world. Iran has been protesting over the course of the past week. And one truly powerful image has submerged from that. A woman who was arrested, by the way, for protesting, standing on top of a car, waving her hijab on a pole. Not wearing it. Defiantly standing still 
doing nothing but waving her hijab in the hair in the air because that woman living in Iran under a government that is so far different from ours in a culture that is so far different from ours i don't think people realize how powerful that image and that statement is and how much bravery that woman has to stand defiantly against a more or less you could argue theocratic government saying that I have freedom that I should not be forced to subscribe to standards of religious beliefs that I have the right to take this hijab that you force me to wear by law and strip myself of it and should be able to without consequence despite the fact knowing that she would be arrested Freedom, unfortunately, what, what, what is so written in these documents of our founding fathers about the freedoms of man and how it comes from nature, something that seems so natural, so commonplace, and yet the world still has not caught up. And it's interesting because I talked with somebody on Twitter. Who was talking about U.S. foreign relations in Iran and Iraq and Pakistan, you know, the Middle Eastern Territory. And I tweeted back to him and said something along the lines of, I don't understand why people don't understand this. America can't go in to nations on behalf of the citizenry to overthrow governments, lay out our government, which, by the way, completely and totally honest, isn't perfect, far from perfect, and has severely screwed up along the way. The United States can't go into these countries, overthrow a government, say, hey, this is democracy, this is how it works, figure it out, okay, bye-bye. You can't box up freedom, drop it off, and say, here it is, figure out how to use it, call us if you need us, and expect it to flourish. Freedom comes... Freedom comes, it booms, it thrives, and it revolutionizes people through people. Not through government, through people. I think people falsely equate government with community. Thinking that you can't have a community of people doing good things for people without the government. Which you totally can. The government gets in the way of that because... 
The government is a business. It has its own interests, in case people didn't know. It's part of how we get to where we are today. It really makes me wonder how many how many people really truly think Why do people think so much that the government can just solve their problems for them? Or that more government is the answer? I I think we have clear established patterns of what the government should be involved in, what the government shouldn't be involved in, and everything in between. But that picture isn't clear because there's people out there who believe that the government should have more that believe the government needs more control, that believe the government needs to prop up and do things. Like when we talk about jobs, when they talk about job creation, the government doesn't create jobs. And when the government creates jobs that are government jobs, I take it with a grain of salt because I always see it as a guise for the government to say, look how good we're doing. Look how good we're doing. Look, we got people that we employed. Now we're taxing you more, but your taxes are paying these people to do a job. It's a ruse, in my mind, anyway. But that's the thing. We have this division now. We have a a, a group of extreme people who push the progressive politics and want that. We have some people that are middle grounders that lean that way in some aspects. We have people that are some middle grounders that lean towards the conservative aspects. We have some hardcore conservative aspects. We have the alt-right. We have Antifa. We have division. A whole lot of division. And unfortunately, instead of people wanting to actually fight the division by persuading people to think in different ways, you have what I like to call the shit pot, if you will, where you have people that like to be insulting to other people, that like to demean other people, that like to assassinate people's character like that. And the the sad bit is that it's on all sides of the spectrum. There's not one side that you can look at that's doing it more than the other side. It's both. I find adequate examples all the time, and sometimes it frustrates me. Sometimes it makes me lose respect of people uh, in more ways than one. My goal has always been to convince people by talking to them, by giving them my viewpoint, my stance, and why I think that way, and to also dig in and figure out why they think certain ways. For instance, I have a friend on Facebook who I need to have a chat with because they believe that the Internet is a human right. And I just don't see it that way. However, I've had other friends argue on this person's behalf saying, you know what, um, tell me where you can fill out a job application not online and not have an email address and not have that communication set in stone. Okay, maybe that's a fair point. It, it, it's angles and examples and other things. Same thing with things like the FCC argument over net neutrality 
which most people still don't even know what net neutrality is. It was a big hot topic issue. A lot of people were tweeting about it, but nobody really knew what net neutrality was. They were just buying whatever other people were selling them. At the drop of a hat. I still don't know what I think about net neutrality. But that's part of the learning and growing experience on the podcast. And that's what I'm hoping in Season 3, with what I have planned, I'm hoping that can help everybody out. I'm hoping that can open people's minds, be a little more accepting of the differences. There's some things that we're not going to agree on. There's some things that we have to compromise on. But there's core things that cannot, by any means necessary, be compromised on. And over the course of the next year, I hope to uncover those little by little. Little by little, day by day. Uh, because you can't tr- tackle it all at once. You can't, uh, climb the, you can't climb every mountain or ford every stream. Not all at once. You can't do it all at once. You have to do it one at a time. So protesting in Iran, the, uh, the Republican tax plan keeps coming under scrutiny. And as it does... More and more companies are coming out announcing giving out bonuses to employees of $1,000 or more. And you know what's funny about that is that we can sit here and talk about was it is it publicity for the companies or are they just doing it because it's the right thing? Did they, did they always have that money sitting off on the sidelines? They might have. Who knows? I can't debate those things. One thing I can debate, though, is it's kind of ridiculous that people would attack the companies for giving out bonuses to their employees. Even if the companies are citing the tax cuts or aren't citing the tax cuts, or maybe the companies have been doing it and it just hasn't been news, but just reported from the Hill, the the economy added 148,000 jobs in December. Uh, 148,000 jobs below expectations, but... The figure caps off the seventh straight year of annual employment growth above 2 million. It's the longest streak since the web boom of the 1990s. The web boom, the dot-com boom, all these jobs that got created and, and, and the economy bursting through unexpected internet success. It's a, it, it's a promising look even though it hasn't been uh, the, the best. It hasn't been statistically or projectedly the best. They're anticipating that 2018, the jobs will spike up even further thanks to the tax cuts. I'm just saying, if good comes from the tax cuts, are people still going to be pointing their fingers, talking about how it benefited the wealthiest people? Or did it even really benefit the wealthiest people? Did it benefit everybody? But obviously, because wealthy people are wealthy, it benefited them more on the surface. Maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Just saying, though, let's see what comes of it. Because if it gives you and me a tax cut, if you and me are paying less taxes because of the tax cut... Is it really a bad thing? There's a lot to entail with that, especially because every dime the government decides to spend will eventually become a tax. Thank you, Ron Paul, for opening my eyes on that one. Surprisingly, surprisingly, 
Steve Bannon and Donald Trump are now feuding. <laughs> this is insane. This is insane. Steve Bannon, who was such a core piece in developing the Trump presidency and getting him elected and all that. And then it's a break off and now it's Bannon versus Trump and Bannon probably is getting ousted as a as a guy that he sh- as he should because Bannon is not a good guy. Bannon is for lack of a better term trash. Just just straight garbage. Uh Glenn Beck actually commented on this on Twitter uh just yesterday. Stating, quote, another thing I'm grateful for in 2018, Steve Bannon is finally seen by conservatives for what he's always been. A vicious liar and a danger not only to the conservative movement and its principles, but a danger to the country. Good luck to those who still trust his, quote, leadership. Bannon was very toxic. That's something that Ben Shapiro talked about in leaving Breitbart. There was also, a lot of people don't remember this one, but Michelle Fields the Breitbart reporter that was assaulted by uh, Corey Lewandowski, one of uh, Trump's senior campaign aides, campaign manager, even. And Breitbart didn't stand behind her and Steve Bannon. There was a lot that came into to light because of that. And, and now a lot has come into light. Hopefully it's the fall of Steve Bannon. He's not good for America. He's, he's not good to be in the spotlight at all. With that, of course, there was also uh, Donald Trump, you know, ridiculous statement of the week, ridiculous quote of the week, whatever you want to call it. Donald Trump uh, uh, tweeted out, it was like a tweet fest between him and Kim Jong-un, where Kim Jong-un said, you know, again, you know, I have nuclear bombs and I'm, I'm not afraid to use them. And Trump says, well, my button is so much bigger and it actually works. Well, it's a stupid little quabbling is it presidential no but it is this a surprise anymore do we really have to talk about how donald trump's twitter usage isn't presidential anymore because my god it's not no way shape or form is it presidential all right uh this isn't surprising it's it's old news uh it might even be a little bit of fake news i i don't care about it. I've been talking about Donald Trump tweets since uh, 2015 and it's very tiring. Uh, especially because that 2015 to 16 wasn't even part of his presidency. It was talking about how he couldn't possibly be elected and yet here we are with Donald Trump as president of the United States of America. And, and I hope people listening who are Trump fans realize I'm not trying to criticize everything he does. The tax cuts uh, hopefully are, are a much sought-after relief for me uh, because, God damn it all, I need my money just to get my finances in order, just to help get rid of some of my debt and put me on good footing. It's it, You know, I would be in such better shape if I just didn't have debt. I bought into the debt society bullcrap for a while, and now I'm working my way out of it, and hopefully when I'm out of it, I never fall for it again. But that's a journey that we're going to go on together. Guys, that's going to do it for me today. Welcome to Season 3 of FritzCast. If you're brand new here, I suggest looking over some of the past episodes. Just look at the titles and the descriptions. You might find something that you want to hear. Uh, 
moving forward, we're going to look at and start diving into libertarian principles and policies and how they could help out. We're going to really crack in and dive into it. I am reading some libertarian material that has been given to me as a Christmas gift. Uh, the Declaration of Independence by Nick Gillespie and Matt Welch, who are two people that I listen to and uh, hear chime in often on, on things. And we're going to push forward and try to, I'm going to try to educate you without you having to get on the Google and spend 50 minutes of your life while you're taking a poop figuring out what liberty really is and, and all that jazz. Uh, also, what I'm planning for the program, uh, finally fleshing out, and I, and, and I know I've said it a couple times, but the videos might be a coming soon. Might be a coming soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, the blog has been dry for the past uh, week or so. Uh, getting ready to cook up some new blog posts as well. So we got a lot going on here. And I have things like I'm working on a couple of, you know, maybe uh, having guests, other people on the show, interaction of sorts. Uh, if you're interested, contact me at uh, fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Uh, on Twitter, uh, I'm at fritzqs on Twitter. And Facebook.com slash the Fritzcast. And as always, my blog and central hub is fritzcast.wordpress.com for all your Fritzcast needs. I want you all to have a wonderful week. Keep this on the brain. Think about what is really what, what is freedom really. And while you're thinking of that, I want you to think of the woman who stood defiantly on the streets of Iran, waving her hijab defiantly, knowing she was going to get arrested. Enjoy your week. See you next week. You, you.